0: All right, let's look at Matthew chapter 1, Matthew 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. Uh, We're going to just share a message and tell the birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew chapter 1 and uh, beginning in uh, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And took unto him his wife, and he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be able to be together uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, Lord, just prior to the day we celebrate the birth of Christ, Uh, we're thankful, Lord, that uh, we can uh, remind ourselves and refresh our memories, Lord, of uh, all that took place when Jesus Christ was born, what, what happened, what was the meaning, uh, how does it apply to us, Lord, the impact that it has on the world in which we live. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd uh, just uh, speak to each of us in a special way this morning uh, as we review and remember uh, all the information concerning the birth of Christ. I would pray, Lord, if there's someone here that's not saved, uh, that they would uh, understand the way of redemption through faith in Christ, and they would believe on Jesus, and they would be gloriously saved today. And so they would receive the greatest gift, the gift of salvation. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing on the preaching of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. For our text verse verse 18. says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so the sentence just starts out, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. So the birth of Jesus Christ. I wanna review some things in reference to what took place when Jesus was born uh, so many years ago. Christmas certainly is a time of rejoicing it's a time of celebration because of the fact that a Savior has come and a way for man to be saved has been revealed. And so, Christmas time is a great time to rejoice because of the fact of the fulfillment of prophecy in reference to the birth of Christ. You know, people always say, Well, how do you know the Bible is the true and whether it's without error and whether it's the Word of God or not? Just one thing Jesus Christ. Think of the birth of Christ, all the prophecies concerning the coming of Jesus into this world completely fulfilled perfectly in uh, Jesus Christ. And so we can be assured of the fact that we hold in our hands the written eternal word of God because Jesus Christ came into this world fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. But not only that, but because of the door of of redemption was opened to mankind uh, ye shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. That's why John, when he would see Jesus coming when he was baptizing in the Jordan River, would cry out, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And uh, the door of opt- opportunity for man to be redeemed by the blood that would be shed on Calvary has been made, made way to be able to experience that because of the birth of Jesus Christ. And so uh, Christmas, what a great time to celebrate and rejoice because the word of God is true to every detail in reference to the birth of Christ. And the word of God reveals to us the way of redemption through Christ's birth and coming into this world to redeem us from all of our sins. And so it's important for us not only to understand the birth of Christ, but to review the birth of Christ and to share the birth of Christ with others. Uh, The world, people are caught up in all kinds of things at Christmas time and all kinds of events and parties and things like that go on, Uh, but they need to hear about Jesus Christ. And Christmas is not about all those things. Christmas is about one thing and only one thing, And it is about Jesus Christ coming into this world. So the birth of Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, in our text verse, in verse 18, that it was a supernatural conception. A supernatural conception. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, while as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, it's an important detail, before they came together as a husband and wife, She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That's a second important detail that needs to be acknowledged about the birth of Jesus Christ. The supernatural conception uh, was not something that was experienced between a biologically a man and a woman, but rather it was something that was experienced supernaturally by the Holy Ghost of God coming upon her and overshadowing her, and so a supernatural conception. Jesus Christ can be declared and be revealed and be identified as God in the flesh because of the supernatural conception. If there's no supernatural conception, then Jesus is born just like everyone else is born into this world. Warren Worsby stated this, this way, and I thought it was really good, He said this, "...since Jesus Christ is God, he existed before Mary, therefore he could not have been conceived as other babies. Uh, He was not only born, but he came into the world." And so it's so important to realize that uh, that Jesus Christ was, uh, was conceived miraculously of the Holy Ghost. He could not be conceived as other babies were conceived... Because when a baby is conceived in the womb, at conception is when life starts. Uh, it's not after the baby is born. It's when the baby is conceived in the womb, life begins at that moment. Christ could not be conceived in the womb like that uh, through biological means because of the fact he did not become alive when he was conceived in the womb, he was already alive. Before he was conceived in the womb, and because he is the Christ, he is God in the flesh. Uh, he would have to; he could not be conceived as other babies are conceived. But the reality is also the conception was not to bring life to him or to birth life. The conception was for the purpose of him being able to come into the world, and so he was not just born; he came into this world. Uh, He came to his own, it says in John 1, 11, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, in verse 12. And so Jesus came into this world. He was not conceived to give life to come into this world, but rather he was miraculously conceived in the womb of Mary. So it's a supernatural conception. Listen, in Luke chapter 1, we see that there was an angelic announcement. And we're going to look at several verses here this morning just to confirm uh, what we're talking about. But in Luke chapter 1, in verse 28, it says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And so, an angelic announcement. Uh, the birth of Christ uh, was declared by the angels of heaven, uh, and it was revealed to Mary. And several things here. I think it was revealed to Mary to be used as the vessel that would bring Christ into this world, uh, because there's purity that was recognized. It says, "Thou art highly favored." And uh, he says, the Lord is with thee, and so purity that was recognized. She had physical purity. It's interesting. If you study the life of Mary, you find that she was a, uh, of course, she was a virgin, so she was pure physically in all of her contact and all of her actions with those that were around her. In Proverbs chapter 12, in uh, verse 4, 12 and 4, it says, a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bone. And uh, we, we have lost the sense in American society what it means to be physically pure. Whether it be things that we put before our eyes or whether it be the way that we dress or the way that we could act and how we, our conversations go. We have lost the reality of the of, uh, influence and the impact of being virtuous. And Mary was physically pure, and all of her thoughts and all of her actions and all of her uh, interactions with others, and certainly with her relationship with Joseph, she was pure. Before they came together, she was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And so a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. What a great challenge for you ladies to be a crown to your husband. Uh, by being a virtuous woman and showing forth the praises and testimonies of God. Proverbs chapter 31 continues this whole thought of a virtuous woman in a physical sense. Proverbs 31 and 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman, for her price is far above rubies? May I just kind of throw this in, uh, that it is more of more value and uh certainly on, more honorable for a woman to be a virtuous woman than for her to be a great business person uh, or a great politician. Uh, to be virtuous, to be trustworthy, to be honest, to be pure in your physical thoughts, in your physical action, in, in your relationships. Proverbs 31 goes on in verse 28 and says, her children arise up. And call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. I tell you, sometimes it gets under my skin. I hear some of these kids in our school, uh, the way they talk to their mothers. I feel like taking them out in the shed, out back every once in a while. Amen. And uh, you say, you're a crazy man. I'm old school. You don't talk back to, to women. You don't disrespect your mother. And uh, I remember once I said something to my mom. She was yelling at me about something. I was wrong. I was getting in trouble again. And she was yelling at me. And I all I said was, well, mom, and my dad liked to kill me. He said, boy, you don't, talk, you don't back talk your mother. I mean, he just got on me all over me about that. That doesn't take place anymore. The reality is a woman's to be a virtuous woman, a holy woman, a pure woman, a respectful woman that receives respect from others. And men, you need to learn how to teach your young boys how to be respectful of their mother and how they're to treat other women. And women are to be treated with respect. They're not to be dishonored. They're not to be disrespected. Says our children rise up and call her blessed. And uh, children need to rise up and call their mother blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. He doesn't ridicule her, doesn't tear her down. He doesn't mock her, doesn't disrespect her. Disrespect her. He praises her. And he, verse 29 says, Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. And that's Mary. Mary is excelling the virtu- virtuous relationship that she has with her husband, espoused husband, and those around her, far exceedingly above everyone else. In verse 30, it says in Proverbs 31, Favor is deceitful. Watch out for flattering words. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. Why your beauty can quickly leave, amen? And it's amazing as you get older how much sags you get and all this, that, and the other, eh? (laughs) amen? Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord she shall be praised. And this announcement of the angel to Mary in reference to the birth of Christ is all in reference to the fact that she is being honored, she's being praised, she's being acknowledged by God Himself because she was a woman who was physically pure. She was a woman who was had a spiritual priority in Luke chapter one in verse forty-six. It says, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. She doesn't get in a debate or discussion about what's going to take place. Her priority was, I want to magnify God. If that's what God's going to do to me, and that's how God can be magnified, then I'm satisfied with that. She says, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And so when you think of this matter of purity, that's recognized in the life of Mary through this announcement, uh, it is a physical purity with a spiritual priority. And I I say, when we live a life that is pure and holy before God, it is an automatic outcome that we're going to be uh, setting the priorities in our life to glorify God in every aspect. And so that was spiritual priority, so purity recognized. I see also in uh, verse 28 of Luke 1, is that there's a presence declared. In verse 28, it says, The angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. And here it is. The Lord is with thee. She's reminded that her God is continually with her. You know, the challenge that Solomon, uh, David would give to his son, Solomon, was to be of good courage. Be strong. Be not afraid. Why? Because the Lord is with thee. Uh, Jesus promised in the New Testament that he would never leave us nor forsake us. The Apostle Paul writes in reference to the fact that the Lord is always with us. And so it is the presence of God that removes fear... It's the presence of God that instills security. It's the presence of God that gives us hope for tomorrow. And so the angelic announcement to, uh, to Mary in reference to the birth of Christ not only identifies her purity, but it also re- declares the presence of God is always with her. I, listen, that was a dangerous thing for her to be found with child, not of her husband. Uh, it would; She could be declared as being a, an adulteress. She could be stoned to death according to the law of Moses. And, uh, and God is basically um, reminding her, wait a minute, God's with you. He's not going to abandon you in all that's going to take place in your life when Jesus comes into this world. And so the presence of God is declared. Notice also that there's honor that's bestowed in verse 28 of Luke 1. So the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Uh, the Lord is with thee. And then, she, and then the angel said this, Blessed art thou among women. And so the, acknowledging the fact that the, what was taking place was the blessing of God upon her. And uh, it is not establishing a means of worshiping her is just declaring that she is blessed of God because she is the vessel that God would use to bring the Messiah into this world. And Isaiah chapter 44 in uh, verse 3 says, For I will pour water upon him uh, that is thirsty and floods upon the dry grounds. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and thy blessing upon thy offspring. So important for the angel to acknowledge the blessing of God upon Mary because God had promised that His blessings would flow to their offspring. The blessings would flow to their children. And so there was honor that was bestowed by this angelic announcement. I see in Luke chapter 1 and verse 31 a Davidic fulfillment. Uh, Jesus Christ, as he is being announced by the angel that he's going to get, be born, is acknowledging the fact of the Davidic fulfillment. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 31, says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. And here it is. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. So, first of all, we see uh, the majesty of Christ. We see his majesty. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. I love that chorus that we sing sometimes, Majesty, because it declares the, the majesty of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is higher. He is greater. He is better. He is lifted, lifted up, in honor and respect. And Isaiah chapter nine had declared what would take place. For unto you is unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. "...the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." In other words, His majesty is going to be seen when this Savior is born. A Davidic fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Uh, Be assured of this. There is no God that's greater than Jesus Christ. There is no teacher that would ever walk on the face of this world that is greater than Jesus Christ. Now, there is no one that receives the Lord and the acknowledgement and the praise greater than Jesus Christ. And when the end time comes, yes, even the unsaved are going to have to bend their knee and call him Lord of lords and kings of kings. And they're going to have to acknowledge that he is the majestic king of heaven. And so the Davidic fulfillment of Christ's birth was the fact that he would be born in majesty. He would be great. And he would be the son of the highest. Not only that, but I see that he would uh, see his authority in this Davidic fulfillment. God had promised David a kingdom. He promised him that there would be someone that would reign on the throne. And uh, the uh, acknowledgement of the angel to Mary was not just that he would be great, the son of the highest, but that he would be upon the throne of his father, David. THAT ESTABLISHES HIS AUTHORITY. THAT'S WHY ISAIAH CHAPTER 9 AND VERSE 7 SAYS, AND OF THE INCREASE OF HIS GOVERNMENT AND PEACE THERE SHALL BE NO END UPON THE THRONE OF DAVID AND UPON HIS KINGDOM TO ORDER IT AND TO ESTABLISH IT WITH JUDGMENT AND WITH JUSTICE. AND SO HIS AUTHORITY, JESUS CHRIST HAS ALL AUTHORITY. You know, people often say, well, what, do you, what, what authority do you have to tell people that they have to live so-and-so and live what be saved the way you say they need to be saved? The authority comes from the Word of God. Amen. The authority comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And literally he carries with the idea of all authority. And what God declares in His Word, in reference to who Christ is, establishes the authority of Christ That literally in Revelation, uh, he is going to rule with a rod of iron. And he has all authority to do as he pleases. And people say, well, I just don't believe that God should do it that way. It doesn't matter what you believe or what you feel. God has the authority. He has the power to do that. We live in an era and time in America where everybody questions authority. Everybody is against authority. I don't care what the realm may be, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the church, whether it be on the job, whether it be in government, whatever it is, everybody questions authority. But the reality is, nobody's going to question the authority of Jesus Christ. He is going to sit on the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign with all authority. But I see also, not only his majesty and authority, but I see the announcement of the angel in reference to his longevity, and his longevity. In verse 33, it says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. It didn't say temporary, it says forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. I'll be assured of this this morning that God is rule, Jesus is ruling over a kingdom that has no end. And uh, we need to be a part of the kingdom of God. We need to live in light of the reality of the kingdom of God. Isaiah chapter 9, in verse 7, continuing that verse, it says uh, that he would establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forevermore. The angel, Lord of hosts, will perform this. And so. The longevity of the kingdom of God. You know, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. Why? Because if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, You are not a part of the kingdom of God if you're not born again. And people often say, well, I think people can lose their salvation. Well, if you can lose your salvation, you're not a part of the kingdom of God. You're not a part of the kingdom of heaven. You're not a part of the kingdom in which Jesus rules over because Jesus rules rules over a kingdom that is an everlasting kingdom. And so this conception of Jesus was supernatural. It was announced by the angels. It revealed the Davidic covenant being fulfilled. And then there was prophetic endowment uh, from on high in verse 35 of Luke chapter 1. As the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also, that holy thing which is born of thee shall be called uh, the Son of God. And so, this uh, matter of uh, knowing that uh, the uh, prophetic enduement of God Almighty upon her is going to be fulfilled. In a, a Psalm 2 in verse 7, says, I will declare, I think I put this on there, I did, yeah. Uh, I will declare the decree, the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And the supernatural conception of Christ establishes the reality that God is the one who miraculously conceived Jesus Christ by the Holy Ghost in the womb of Mary. Uh, this virtuous woman, this pure woman who had the priority of glorifying their God. Billy Graham said this. He said, Christmas is not a myth, not a tradition, not a dream. It's a glorious reality. And I think sometimes what we do, if we say that it's a tradition, that gives us the option to change it. If we say that it's a myth that gives us the opportunity to deny it if we say it's a dream we can say well wait a minute my dream ended and i just don't have any uh, hope anymore but the reality is the birth of christ is a glorious reality Uh, he was born and conceived conceived and born as the scriptures say And he fulfilled every aspect of what the prophecies of the Old Testament said that he would uh, fulfill. And if people want to deny the reality of the presence of Christ and say that he really didn't live and he didn't die and he wasn't buried and he wasn't resurrected, then produce the body. Because the reality is... All of history records the reality of the presence of Christ walking on the face of this earth and that he was crucified, but nobody's presented any evidence that he didn't rise out of the grave. The reason is because his body's not there. It's ascended up into the heavens, and so we have the reality of Christmas is the coming of Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ. (laughs) So we see it's a supernatural conception. We see in Matthew chapter 1 in verse 19, it was a personal confirmation. And so Mary has this announcement that's going to take place, or she's going to miraculously, supernaturally conceive in her womb. Her espoused husband, who is Joseph, confirms what is going on. Uh, the angel reveals to him. In verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. Notice that Joseph had a merciful spirit. Now, what a glorious thing it is to be able to see someone who has a spirit of mercy. And uh, Joseph loved Mary. He was concerned for Mary. He was mindful not to put her away privately because he did not want to humiliate her. He had a merciful spirit. In Psalm 112 and verse 4, it says, Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. You know, Joseph was a man that demonstrated for all mankind what it meant to have mercy. And there's one thing we can learn from Joseph that is a powerful life-impacting decision and experience is having a merciful spirit. And so he was willing to acknowledge what is going on was a miracle that was being performed by God. And he was willing to be merciful towards his espoused wife. We see that he was meditative. He had a meditative heart in verse 20. It says, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Notice it says, while he thought on these things. I'm afraid a lot of times we feel that God's not speaking to us because we're not willing to meditate on who our God is. I often thought, when I was reading that, I thought, what if Joseph didn't take time to think on these things? What if Joseph just reacted to the news that he had heard? What if Joseph's response was simply, Directed by his flesh and his motions. Uh, God, would, he would never heard uh, the, the wisdom of God and the warning of God, what was taking place. So he was meditative. How we need to meditate on the things of God. In Psalm 94, in verse 19, says, in the multitude of my thoughts, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Uh, meditating upon the Lord brings comfort uh, to the soul. Joseph just heard a tremendous thing, a miraculous thing, and the only way he could be comforted in his soul was to meditate on the things that he had heard. In Psalm 143, in verse 8, says, "'Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. "'Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, For I lift up my soul unto thee. Being willing to meditate on the things that God has to say in revealing to us what miraculous things he wants to accomplish in our life. Personal confirmation. Joseph was willing to be merciful. He was willing to be meditative. And then he was motivated, a motivated obedience. He did everything. That the angel revealed unto him, Joseph being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And so motivated. If we have a merciful spirit, we have a motivated heart, it is easy to be moved to obey what God states and what God says. And so, uh, I like uh, Exodus 40 and 16 says, thus, I don't, did I put that verse on there? I did, yes. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 16, in reference to Moses, says, thus did Moses according to all that the Lord commanded him, so did he. What a great testimony. What a wonderful testimony. Joseph is following that testimony because what the Lord revealed to him, he was willing to obey all that God had commanded him. Jesus said in John 15, 14, Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. And so, if we have a merciful spirit, it's easy to meditate on the things of God that'll motivate us to obey everything that he says. Because when we meditate upon God, God reveals to us what his will is and what he wants to accomplish through what he's doing in our lives. So, we see a supernatural conception we see personal confirmation, and then in Matthew 1, we see a, an eternal completion. In uh, verse 21, it says, "'And she shall bring forth a son, "'and thou shalt call his name Jesus, "'for he shall save his people from their sins.'" And so that acknowledges the fact that it would be sa- he would come into this world sacrificially. It was a sacrifice. He was coming to die for man. Uh, The only way that God could take on the flesh of man was for him to be supernaturally conceived of the Holy Ghost in the womb of Mary. The only way that he could receive our sins upon him and die on the cross is that he would have to have a human flesh, a human body. And so uh, this offering of himself is sacrificial. He is God and man at the same time being the sinless lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. And uh, so the eternal completion of the redemption of God for mankind. It was also scriptural. And uh, verse 22 says, And now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet. And so everything that he did was for the purpose of uh, fulfilling scripture. Now look at a couple of things with me here in chapter 2 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2 in uh, verse uh, 23 says, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. It's interesting, you go through and see all the things that Jesus did in his life, and the Bible declares he did them to fulfill what the prophets had said. Notice over in Matthew uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, Matthew 5 and 17 think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not uh, so I come not to uh, nah, we' flipping around here. I am not come amen. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. Jesus came in this world scripturally to fulfill the prophecies concerning himself. Look in Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 17. I thought it was interesting. Each of these verses is verse seventeen. It's easy to memorize where do you find them at? Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter eight and verse seventeen says this: that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Elias the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sickness. In Matthew chapter twelve, in verse seventeen, ooh, another verse seventeen. I like it. Says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, "Behold, my spirit, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles." I'm just saying this: the eternal completion of Christ being born is that he was born sacrificially to be offered as the Lamb that'll take away our sins. But he was oh, came into this world scripturally and that's why I was saying at the beginning the one way that you know that the word of God is true and it is the word of God because everything scripturally that was stated about Jesus Christ is fulfilled in his life for the three years that he's on the face of this earth so not only is it sacrificial and spiritual I'm going to say sacrificial and scriptural but it's relational in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 says, and she knew not, uh, he, uh, and knew her not till she had brought forth, oh, that's verse 25, oh, verse 23. It says, now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, uh, the prophet saying, and here's the th- prophecy in verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us, which being interpreted as God with us. What is that? That's relational. And so when you talk about salvation, you talk about spiritual condition of man, we understand that it is a relationship that every one of us have to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came into this world so that we might experience God with us. It's relational. George W. Truett, old preacher from years gone by, used to be the pastor of First Baptist Church down in Dallas, Texas. And I believe he went home to be with the Lord in 1944. He's one of the old preachers. I love reading some of his comments and, and listening to some of his sermons. But George W. Truett said this, Christ was born in the first century, yet he belongs to all centuries. I love that. He went on to say he was born a Jew, yet he belongs to all races. And then he said this, he was born in Bethlehem, yet he belongs to all countries. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ was born. I'm thankful we celebrate Christmas in reference to the birth of Jesus Christ. Because everything we need, everything we must experience, everything that we base our hope for in the future Is based upon the birth of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning you've never been saved, never been born again, this is the Jesus that you need to trust in, and it will change your life, and it will give you eternal life. Uh, The amazing thing is, as an unbeliever, you can be saved this morning because of Christmas, because of the birth of Christ. As a believer, a born-again child of God this morning, you have something to rejoice in, something to celebrate, Uh, whether you have anything of the world's goods or none of the world's goods, you have the eternal Son of God as your Savior. You have something to rejoice in, the birth of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together today. We're thankful for Jesus coming into this world. We're thankful, Lord, that he came into the world exactly the way the Bible said he would come into the world. And I'm thankful, Lord, that I can even today read the scriptures and identify with the reality that Jesus came here, Uh, he lived on this earth, he died as he was crucified on the cross, was dead and buried and rose again, Ascended up into heaven, had His promise to come and receive us unto Himself. What a rejoicing! What a joyful message we have as we think of the birth of Jesus Christ. I pray you blessed in this invitation, or maybe someone here that needs to be saved. I pray they would come and receive Christ as their Savior. The greatest gift they'll ever get in their life is the gift of salvation. I pray for every believer this morning. There may be someone just struggling today. Maybe to are discouraged. Uh, Lord, may they find hope in you. May they rejoice in the presence of our eternal God. May we celebrate the birth of Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's